want to greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus, and uh, it's, it's good to be here, good service that we've had this far, and I would, uh, <coughs> I trust that we'll continue to have a good time. I was reminded by someone that that uh, the attention span of people is approximately six minutes. So that leaves very little time. But I'll try to, to uh, do my best to keep your attention because I know it's going to go past six minutes. The, I didn't know for sure what to title the uh, message here that I have. And Cheryl uh, texted and said that she wanted the title by noon because, uh, well, she didn't say what they were going to do, but she needed it by noon, so I gave her the message. And the title, I didn't really have a title, but I had a text. But underneath your bulletin, you can see that uh, the idea that the Lord has given to me is that we are either missionaries or a mission field. I suppose that all of us have a, uh, a comfort zone where we feel very comfortable in. But I would like to take you out of your comfort zone this morning. And uh, I would like to challenge you as well as myself. I think the Lord has been speaking to me and telling me about some things that I need to know and, and to understand. There's, in order to do this, we need to recognize, I need to recognize that I'm probably dealing with two different kinds of people. Some people that are highly motivated and some people that are unmotivated. I think we all enjoy when someone comes to church here and they give us missionary stories. I used to like those stories uh, when I was a boy or, uh, yeah, a boy and, a, and we had different preachers that would always give stories of things that happened. And I, uh, there was also preachers that came along and, and told stories that they had. And I thought, wow, these preachers, they're having all the good stories and we don't have any, you know. And then someone told me that the reason that the preachers have all the good stories is because they don't tell the bad stories. They just tell the good stories. You know, you don't want to get up and tell people that I had a bad experience or, or I failed or, or, you know. So I understood more. Yeah, that's kind of the way it is. You tell the good stories and forget about the bad ones that you had. Try to forget about them. So let's open our Bibles to Second Corinthians chapter 5.
And I mentioned on the text there, verse 18 through verse 21. But I'd like to go back to verse 14 and read, maybe start at verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Now let's just think about that a little bit, that particular phrase that that Paul is using here. The love of Christ constraineth us. Now I've been talking about love for the last couple times that I preached. And this morning, we want to again talk about love. And this love here that Paul is, is telling us, the love of Christ constraineth us. Now the word constrain means that it compels us. When you're constrained to do something, when God constrains you to do something, you feel compelled to do that. Now, how many have ever felt compelled by God to do a certain thing? All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, because God does do that. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. If Jesus died for the whole world, it goes to show that the whole world was dead in sins. Okay? You get that? Okay, let's continue to read. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now I'd like to go back to Romans 1.16. You don't have to turn there, but I'd like to quote it. Paul says that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of that, Paul says. So when, when, when Christ is in us, it is the power of God working in us and through us. And we need to, we need to reckon on that power of the gospel, the power of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I would like to suggest that maybe some of us have been a little bit ashamed of who we are and who we represent. And so, not really ashamed, but basically it would come back to that, that we're just a little bit ashamed to stand out and to be Counted with Jesus, to be recognized with Jesus, that we are all, that we have given our all to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we love Him above anything else on this earth. That we are so totally committed to Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. So Paul continues, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, 
reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So there you have the gospel in a nutshell. That Paul is telling us that God has committed to us a trust. And that trust is to be a missionary. So if we fail in keeping that trust which God has given to us, what is going to happen to us? Where are we going to end up if we fail to do what God tells us that we should be doing? And I think that God, the Holy Spirit, spoke through the Apostle Paul when he wrote these words. So it is very important that we take this very seriously. So he comes along and he says that I have made you an ambassador. An ambassador is someone that goes from America to another country to represent America. Now, if this ambassador would have a very poor image of America, he would say that all things are bad about America. I mean, there's just nothing good about America. Would the American people send him to another country to represent America? I don't think so. So, when we know about heaven, and we know that in order for people to go there, they must become Christians. But we know a lot about heaven. We are so enthused about heaven that we would make good ambassadors. That's what the Bible talks about. We have a country. We, come, we have a citizenship that is not of this country. It's from heaven. So we should know all about that place in heaven. We read about it. We are expecting to go there, but we're ashamed to talk about it. Is that a good ambassador? Do you and I make good ambassadors for Jesus Christ upon this earth? Our citizenship is not in this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. But if we're not going to be talking about it to people, are we good ambassadors? When we come to the judgment, will Christ have to say, you were not a good ambassador? You did not represent this country or me to anyone. So in order to be a missionary, we need to have a love for people. We spoke about love in the church. Love for one another and appreciation. Looking out for the best in other people. Promoting the best thing in other people. But it's, our love is so little for this other citizenship in heaven that it does not constrain us. It does not compel us to do anything. Someone has said that 
when churches pay so much attention to themselves, they start to bigger with one another, and they forget about going out on the mission field where they're supposed to be, be going. They forget about that. They just have so much problems within that they're not looking out and trying to save other people. So we have those people that are highly motivated. Someone comes in and gives good missionary stories, you know. Oh, they're motivated. I mean, let's go. Let's go. And, and some of the people start out two weeks. They're very enthused about, about what they've heard. They carry the gospel message out there, enthused about it. But they are not motivated. Some people are not motivated. So after two weeks of being enthused and no motivation, they go right back and just kind of, well, you know, we're the kind of people that are the quiet in the land. That means that we shut our mouth. We don't say anything. But it doesn't mean that at all. The Anabaptist people were the quiet in the land. The reason they were that way is because they were non-resistant. They did not believe in, in fighting and, and, and going to war or making an uproar in the community or whatever. They did not believe in doing that. They were peacemakers. They still in them land, the quiet in the land. That's why they were called that. It wasn't that they, they weren't talking about to other people about the Lord Jesus Christ because they did. And the early uh, apostles, disciples that Jonathan was talking about, a thousand people in one day. I mean, those people believed that their citizenship is in heaven. They were working for another kingdom. Another kingdom. They weren't trying to build their own family uh, history or whatever it was to make it great and, and well-known in, in the community, if I can say the word right. They weren't looking out for something like that because they knew that we could at any time be chased out of our house and leave everything that we have. Would we be willing to do that with what we've got? If we... Uh, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So why, would, why aren't we suffering more persecution? Because we're the, quote, quiet in the land. We don't make a, a big ado about the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't go out and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I think if we would do that, we would find people that work in, at Walmart, you know, a lot of people like to go Walmart shopping and get nice clothes, and, and we like to decorate ourselves up. But they forget to witness to the people. We'd have people from Walmart coming to church here if everybody would be doing what they're supposed to be doing. Say, did you ever hear about the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you ever heard the gospel? You know what the gospel is? It's the good news. It's the news that gives people freedom in their life. And that's what people are looking for today. They want to be free. They don't want to be loaded down with this big burden and chaos that they have in their life. They're not free. They're bound. They're sinners. You know, if you go back to Luke chapter 9, the story of the Good Samaritan, a wonderful story. Jesus was telling some of the people beforehand 
what uh, the mission was. Uh, and this one said that the, uh, uh, a lawyer came to him and said, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the commandment. What is the commandment? Thou shalt do this and this and this, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so this lawyer willing to make himself feel good or willing to justify himself, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus gave the story of the Good Samaritan. He gave the story of a man that went from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Remember, Jericho is a cursed city. Cursed. Joshua, they cursed that city. Let no man build that city again. Now here comes this man from Jerusalem, which was probably a Christian. Let's look at him that way. He was a Christian. Or he, he was, maybe he was Adam. When Adam went down there, there it, it, it's two lengthy spans in between here, I realize that. But let's use Adam, for instance. He came from the city of God, Jerusalem, and going down to Jericho, which is 18 miles, approximately from our house to 15. A man would be walking from, from Jerusalem to Jericho. And while he was walking along there, he was a man that came from Jerusalem, the heavenly city, and started down there, and he got involved with the world. And, he found, and the people found out, and he found out that, hey, this, this, this is just not going good. Because some people from the world came along, and they thought that he looked like a, a pretty good, dressed, well-to-do man. And so they, they grabbed him and tore his clothes off, robbed him of everything that he had, and beat him up that he was laying in the ditch. <coughs> and here come this man by who was a, a, a Levi. So he should have known his Bible. He might have been in Jerusalem studying the Bible and the law and everything so he could translate it and give it to the people. But when he came down there, he saw this man laying there and being the kind of man that he was, he passed by on the other side. Wasn't very long after that, the priest came along. And the priest is someone that should be interceding for people or giving sacrifices or helping people. And he stopped and looked at the man and he went on the other way. He didn't do anything for him. He went on. And finally, there came this Samaritan that the Jews just completely ignored. They thought they were bad people or you know people that God doesn't like. But this Samaritan came by with his donkey, he came by and he looked at the man, and he went down, and he, he probably, his back was cracked and hurting and everything, and he went down there, and he had some oil with him. He put oil on the man. He gave him a back rub and just massaged him to make him feel better, to make it, his pain a little easier. And then he put him on his donkey, and he took him to the inn, and gave the, to the hospital. Or maybe we should say that he took him to church and told this people in church to take care of this man, to bind up his wounds and, and to give him something to heal his hurts. And he said, furthermore, 
when I, I've got a little business to do. It'll take me a couple days, and when I come back, uh, I'll give you some money here, and when I come back, if, if it takes more than this, why, well, uh, I'll pay you when I come back. Okay, okay, we'll do that. That's what he did. And then Jesus said to this lawyer, you go and do likewise. If you want to get to heaven, if you want to know what is right, go and do as this Samaritan did. And I'd like to take you to another story found in the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 38. Turn to that. Jeremiah chapter 38. And here, Jeremiah, he was, he was quite a spokesman for the Lord. And there were different things going on here. And so they, uh, they took Jeremiah and they put him in the king's house or in a dungeon. And a dungeon is uh, a place that, that uh, they put people in when they... when they think that he's done wrong. And Jeremiah was one that, he, he spoke for the Lord. Verse 11, So Abimelech took the man with him and went into the house of the king under the treasure and took thence old cast cots and old rotten rags and let them down by cords into the dungeon of Jeremiah. See, he was in a dungeon down there. And Abedimelech, the Ethiopian, said unto Jeremiah, Put not these old cast clots and rotten rags under thy armholes, under the cords. And Jeremiah did so. So they drew up Jeremiah with cords and took him out of the dungeon, and Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Now let me kind of translate, or maybe not translate, but give it in a different way of looking at it. Maybe a, a message that we can relate to. Jeremiah was in this dungeon and, a, and this, uh, this man came and, and the king told him to get him out of, the, of that dungeon, pull him out. And so he went and got some old rags or cast clots and, and rotten rags that he went and he brought them and went over to Jeremiah. And then let's just suppose that this man went over there and he said, Hey, Jeremiah, I've got some rags here I'm going to give you. And I've got some, some kind of cords. And uh, we're going to throw them down. And, and Jeremiah, I know that it's dirty and muddy down there. And, and maybe you can use these rags to kind of clean the mud off of your clothes. And, and maybe they'll do you some good, Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeremiah, you, you know, just use them for whatever you can. And, the, and by the way, Jeremiah, I just wanted to tell you that, that I created a prayer group here, and we'll be praying for you. Yeah, Jeremiah, we'll be praying for you. And he didn't do a thing. Didn't try to get him out. Didn't do anything. But we'll be praying for you. <coughs> <coughs> yeah, Jeremiah, you can really... 
You can take comfort in that we're going to pray for you. Is that a good translation for Mennonite people? It's not a good translation. It's not a good idea. It's not what God wants. God told those men to go down, and they threw the cords down and the rags down there. Now today, when we see someone like that, that's in trouble. We need to throw the, the cords of truth to that man. The cords of truth and the rags of grace that will get him out of trouble. It'll get him out of the hole that he's in, that he has dug for himself, and he's fallen into it, and it's muddy. It's dirty. It's difficult. It's painful. Very painful. So, going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So then we are ambassadors for Christ's sake. What kind of ambassador are we? Now what I'd like to say this morning is this. If we don't obey, if we don't obey the commission or the trust that God has given unto us, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen to you and you if you don't fulfill that trust that God has put upon you? I think it's very, very serious. I stand here to warn every one of you. We have got a responsibility that we don't take very serious. We can do a lot of other things, but when it, get, when it goes to testifying and witnessing for the Lord, we're just not good at it. People can get really enthused, but they lose out. You know why? Why people lose out within a week or something like that? After they're very enthused. We say, we should be enthused, and when people ask us how we, oh, yeah, I'm so good, I'm blessed, and I'm happy. Praise the Lord, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. Enthused about getting the gospel out. About telling other people about the Savior. That's what we need to be enthused about. So people that lose out in just a week or two, they lose that enthusiasm. They lose the motivation. Maybe they never had the motivation. Maybe some people are very unmotivated. It takes a lot to get some people going. And other people that are highly motivated do all the work. And other people don't do anything. You know what the people need that don't have motivation? Or the people that have motivation but don't last long. They need to understand the gospel. They need, they need more information. More information is what people need. If you don't know how to do it, you need more information. If you think that you can't go out and talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ, you need more information. It's not more of the power of God. You need information that is going to get you on track because you will, you and I will be held accountable for the trust that God has given to us what we did with that. What we did with it. What am I doing with it? Am I faithfully telling the gospel story?
Well, it went over six minutes. I know and you, you were very, very attentive. Thank you for that. May the Lord bless you. Shall we bow our heads for prayer?